0: God's Little Brown Church sermon series featuring Pastor Andrew Chrysler. Praise the Lord. Yep. Okay, microphone is on. It's a little warmer today than it has been the last couple of days, but it's a long way from warm today. Um,. Yesterday, we had expected wind chills of 44 below. Um, Friday, we only had wind chills of 28 below, so it was much, much warmer. Um, Today, it's, well, the actual temperature is about 22 degrees out there when we came in, though the wind is blowing. The message this morning is, is heal our land. And I want to go through the scriptures. Many of them are going to be familiar to you. If they're not, you need to read your Bible more. Um, just want to go through it. We'll start with Second Chronicles 7. And I want to start with, with verse 12. It says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and that my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. You know, this is the dedication of Solomon's temple. Solomon's prayer was, Lord, if we turn our back on you and go away, when we find ourselves taken into captivity, when we find ourselves being oppressed on every side, if we repent and pray toward this house, even though we might be in a far country, if we pray, we, and he asked the Lord that you would listen, that you would hear and you would forgive the iniquity of the people. And, and God's response was, if I have done all these things, if I've shut up heaven so there's no rain, or I command locusts to devour the land or send pestilence to the people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Solomon's temple is not there. Solomon's temple was destroyed. Hezekiah's temple was destroyed. There's a west wall, and that's what's there. But God's name is there forever. But this was a promise he made to Israel, and everybody quotes this. Everybody quotes this scripture and takes a look and says, God, this is what you said, so this is what we're sticking on. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. I'm part of a 5 a.m. prayer call that's nationwide. I'm not faithfully there at 5 o'clock every morning, Monday through Friday. But I am part of that call. I am generally on that call, at least for a good portion of that time. Not always. Some days I've missed it completely. But generally, Monday through Friday, at least a good part of that time, from 5 to 6 a.m., I'm on this call. And this is one of their founding scriptures. They grab onto this. This was a promise to Israel. But I'm not done yet. I'm getting there. God says, when I do these things... When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, I I love that, being in the midst of this, because God says in the law, if you will obey me and keep my word, I will send rain in its due season. You know that? Twenty-some years ago, before I ever moved up here, actually, it was the year I moved up here, so it was 98, January or February of 98, and I'm looking at a newspaper and it's talking about how there's a severe drought in Hilo, Hawaii. Hilo, Hawaii is the wettest place on the planet. Hilo, Hawaii gets more rain than any other place that measures rain in the world. But Hilo, Hawaii was having this, this incredible drought. And it's, a, it's, a, it's for pine, uh, you know, huge pineapple fields and papayas and, and all of these fruit that needs a lot of moisture to grow and they they had generally had would generally have like 20 inches of rain by this time and they had less than two tenths of an inch and they were complaining about this horrible drought in this land that's on the front page of the newspaper this is a column on one side column on the other side says hawaii just passed same-sex unions that morning, in my reading, I read the verse that says, If you will obey my word and keep my commandments, I will send rain in its due season. Dumped, you know, they fit together, and that opened my eyes that God's principles, you know, I knew God's principles last, but this was the principle of God. Every time I've seen droughts or floods, if you look in the newspaper, you can find something else, something telling me they're not obeying what God said to do. Now, is that the only reason there's there's droughts and floods? I don't know. But I do know I've seen a correlation every time I've looked. So God has said, when I shut up heaven and there's no rain, there's reasons why God shuts up heaven. Why there is no rain. Why rain doesn't come in its due season. So leave that for a minute. Now let's go to Hosea. And Hosea chapter 6 beginning with verse 1, there's something else we say to ourselves on a regular basis. It says, come and let us return to the Lord. For he has torn and he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up or bandage us. After two days he will revive us and the third day he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. Let us know, let us pursue the, the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the former, and the latter rain upon the earth. Wherever we are, there's a call. Hosea says, come and let us return unto the Lord. Let us draw near to the Lord. Let us seek His face. Because God will forgive. He has punished us. He has He has torn and he will heal us. He has afflicted us, but he has a purpose for drawing us to himself. These are promises and situations in Israel, but as we look in our own lives, as we look in our own nation, as we look in our own times, we see correlations. Hang on to that one for a minute. Let's go to Genesis 18. Genesis 18 beginning with verse 22 says then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom but Abraham still stood before the Lord and Abraham came near and said would you destroy the righteous with the wicked suppose there were 50 righteous within the city would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. For Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Abraham talking to God, The the angels going on, getting ready to destroy Sodom. To investigate. And Abraham says, If there's 50 people, will you spare the city for 50 people? Let's drop down to verse 32. And he says, Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once more. Suppose 10 be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham. And Abraham returned to his place. God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. We know the story. And Abraham says, if there's 50 people, will you spare the city for 50? Then he goes on, 45, 40, 30. He gets on down. Finally, last time, 10. For 10 people, will you spare the city? And God says, if there's ten people, I will spare it. This is a city that the wickedness of Sodom had gone up to the Lord's, what Scripture tells us. It was so notoriously bad that it came up before the Lord. And God says, we're going to wipe them out. But Abraham says, if there's ten people, if there's ten people there that are righteous, will you spare it for ten people? And God said, I will. Maybe you've heard people say, you know, if God allows America to get away with things he has, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. You ever heard somebody say that? That reminds me of Job trying to tell God that, you know, you're, you're unrighteous. But, but people have said that and people have declared that. But maybe the fact that we're still here is because there's at least ten righteous people in the United States. But we can't count on somebody else to pray for our nation. We can't count on somebody else to seek the face of the Lord. Uh, it says in... It's in 2 Chronicles, no, it's in Second Kings, and it's one of the J Kings. You know, the j Kings from, from Judah were the good kings, and pretty much the rest of them were all messed up. But one of the J Kings, which really doesn't narrow it down much, Jeho- Jehoiakim, maybe. God had shown himself mighty in a previous battle. God had sent deliverance. And then again, this king comes up and and armies are coming up against him. And rather than turn to the Lord, he sent and bribed some other king to come to his aid. king of Syria, I believe it was. And the prophet came to him. Yeah, it was the king of Syria that came to him, that, that, that came to his defense. And the prophet said to him, that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro fro throughout the whole earth, looking for one person whose heart is steadfast on him, that he might show himself strong on their behalf. He said, herein has you done foolishly, because because of this you have gotten in the way of God's plan. That's the real New English translation. You can go look up the story yourself. But God had a plan to take out a wicked king But because this king of Judah went and didn't trust the Lord, he went and did things his own way, he got in the way of what God was trying to do. But the prophet said, The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for one person whose heart is steadfast on him, that he might show himself strong on their behalf. God is looking for that one person to stand up. God is looking for that one person to trust him we look at our nation today we see the turmoil we see division along racial lines along economic lines along along uh, nationality lines along cultural lines along political lines whatever divisions all over the place and it's not like the old days when you could just have a discussion and walk away now it's we see violence we see you know, people's li- people trying to destroy other people's lives because they disagree with them. We see wickedness in our world escalating and escalating and escalating. But God says that he's looking for one person whose heart is steadfast toward him, that he might show himself strong on their behalf. God said, I won't destroy Sodom if there's ten righteous people there. My question for you, my question for me... Is, do I trust in the Lord and am I a righteous person standing up for what is right? Standing up for what God tells me to do. Trusting the Lord to direct me. That he can use me as part of healing this land. We are called to be lights in the midst of the darkness. We got darkness all around us. Praise God. Makes it uncomfortable. Praise God. We're not called to be uncomfortable. We're called to be faithful witnesses of a holy God. He has called us to be lights in the midst of the darkness. He's called us to be salt in this generation. Luke 13, beginning with verse 34. Jesus crying out, it says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. And assuredly I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus, knowing what was coming, still had a heart of compassion. I wanted to gather you together. I wanted to draw you close. Jerusalem who kills the prophets and those who are sent to them, to her. Heartbreaking because they wouldn't listen. Does our heart break because people around us won't listen? Does our heart break because people are falling into hell each and every day? Or... Do we just go up go about our business? Guilty. Guilty. Jesus, the crowd says Jesus, or Jesus, scripture says Jesus saw the crowds and was moved with compassion for them because they were as a sheep having no shepherd. He cared for the people in front of him. That's who we're called to be. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be the lights in the midst of the darkness just like Jesus was. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Peter's in Cornelius' house. Peter walked in because God sent him. He went to the Gentiles, which was against the law for him to do. But God sent him. And as Peter began to share with them, as Peter began to explain things to them, the Holy Spirit fell on these Gentiles. The scandal. Well, Here's Peter's response. Verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears and works righteousness is accepted by him. There's a translation that says, whoever seeks the Lord will be found by Him. Whoever is calling out and reaching out for the things of God, reaching out to know who God is, God's going to meet Him at the point of their need. God's going to introduce Himself. Many years ago, uh, and I won't give names or even denominations, but uh, it was before Debbie and I started attending here regularly, which was, of course, long before we got married here and before we took over the church. But we were in a, another church in Franklin County. And as I'm listening to the message, God spoke to me through this message. And it was a mainline denomination. And uh, it came back here, and I was talking with... Uh, Pastor Howard and Joan, and, and uh, we're just having a conversation, and, and I wasn't going to give any names, and I did that, so messed that one up. But there was some—I um, don't want to say reluctance; want to say uh, surprise. There was some surprise. That God can speak in a church with such rigid ways of doing things. And I realized, you know, God used the donkey to rebuke a prophet, God used the pagan king to encourage a prophet. God can use whoever He wants. And when we discount the ability of God to work through somebody else, we're getting in the way of what God wants to do. But if we will instead lift them up and pray for them, whether they're people in a different church, whether people in a different group, whether they're our neighbors, whether they're our politicians, whoever the person is, if we will lift them up before the Lord, knowing that God wants to work great things in our lives and in the lives of people around us. God wants to show himself mighty. God wants to display His grace and His mercy. If we will lift people up before the throne of God, not to say, God, get him, but to say, Lord, you've called people to walk in your ways. You, it is not your will that any should perish. Lord, we lift this person up to you and ask, Father, that they be obedient to your word, that they walk in your ways, that they do the task and, and walk as you would have them to walk, as you have declared through your word. And begin lifting up other people and encouraging other people. Maybe we can begin to see some change in this land as we turn from our wicked ways of discounting others. Our wicked ways of of undercutting or or, uh, undervaluing other people. And instead recognize that each and every person is made in the image of Almighty God. That they are precious in the sight of God. That Jesus died for each and every one. We begin, we, maybe we'll begin to see some healing in this land. Maybe we'll begin to see lives touched and turned. Maybe we won't. But whether or not we see the result doesn't give us an excuse for not doing what God has called us to do. We are called to be lights in the midst of the darkness. That means there has to be darkness. That means there has to be turmoil. But we are called to bring the 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 Prince of Peace with us as we go into situations. We are called to bring the love and grace and mercy of God with us as we enter into conversation, no matter what we're doing. 1 Kings 18, beginning with verse 36. It says that it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant, that I have done all of these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. He's on Mount Carmel. God is about to answer from heaven with fire and consume the sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the 12 barrels of water. But he said, Lord, display your power to know that you are drawing people back to yourself. Lord, work through us in this generation, to draw people to yourself. The healing that this nation needs is only going to come through the Prince of Peace. It is only going to come through being reconciled to God. Benjamin Franklin has a quote that says, and I'm not going to get it exactly right, but it's something along these lines, that the government that we have created is designed for a moral and right and uh, and uh, devout people, it is totally uh, it is uh, totally inadequate for any other group of people. The government that we have is designed for people who followed God, not not. Uh, you know, necessarily this denomination, that denomination, but an understanding of who God was and an understanding of divine providence, an understanding of God's direction, an understanding of right and wrong, the things that were there and the founding and the things that, I mean, have you ever seen the New England primer? We've got some somewhere. Of course, everything we have is in storage. But Deb and I went and bought a bunch of New England primers and handed them out here in the church years ago and it's what was taught to the school kids and it was taught along with the Bible and it taught moral lessons and it taught right and wrong it taught these things from the founding of our nation this book was published in the late 1700s this little book was given out to all the school kids that's what they taught from they were taught a moral and and righteous and, and right living ways and that's who the, 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 our country was founded by and founded for. As we see the turmoil going on around us, it's because those who claim to be many of those who claim to be Christians don't act like it. So people are saying, "How can I trust you?" Businesses that put the fish or a, a Bible verse on their on their vehicles and then treat, and then uh, cheat people. People that cheat on their taxes, who, who, whatever the case is. If we're not living for the Lord, trying to use God for profit, well, you can read about stuff like that in the book of Acts. It did not go well. Simon the sorcerer, I seem to remember, he wanted to buy the power to, uh, to give the Holy Ghost from, from Simon Peter. Amen. Praise the Lord. final passage of Scripture James 5 beginning with verse 16 says confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain in the land for three years and six months and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, if any one of you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and cover the multitude of sins. We are called to reach out to the lost. We are called to reach out to the hurting. We are called to reach out to those who have turned their back on the Lord. We are called to be faithful witnesses, caring for the people around us, We want to see healing in our land we have to have to work on doing it one person at a time one situation at a time one encounter at a time there's no there's no magic wand to go and change everybody's hearts now God can go in and change everybody's hearts but he's Decided or demonstrated that he's called us to be lights and called us to be witnesses to go sent to be sent forth. There haven't I haven't seen a situation, I haven't seen any uh, evidence that God wants to just wave his arm and change everybody because God gives us free choice. But the promise that he made in 2 Chronicles 7 14. To Israel, we already know that Scripture says God is not a respecter of persons. We already know that, that the things that God declared would happen to his people happen to everybody. Scripture tells us that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Peter says, don't be concern, uh, surprised concerning the fiery trial that is to test you as though some strange things happen. Because the same temptations are accomplished in our brethren in the world. Everybody goes through things. But we are called to be lights. We are called to be witnesses. We are called to display the love and trust and mercy of God. And remember that the eyes of the Lord go throughout the whole earth looking for one person whose heart is steadfast on Him, that He might might show Himself strong on their behalf. If God was willing to preserve Sodom for ten righteous people, Imagine what a hundred righteous people could do. Imagine what a thousand righteous people could do. Imagine what one, what one righteous person can do. Because God's hand is not limited. His arm is not short that he cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. God wants to show his grace. Scripture tells us God wants to hold us up as trophies of his grace to demonstrate His grace to the people around us in our lives, in my life, in your life. That's what God has called us to do. So as we pray for the Lord to heal our land, to heal our nation, recognize that it starts with allowing God to work in me. And then having allowed him to work in me, stand up and testify, stand up and give praise to what God has done as we interact with people, as we show the change that God has made in our own lives. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We do thank you, Father, that you have redeemed our lives from destruction. That you have picked us up, that you have washed us off. That you have made us clean, washed us in the blood of the Lamb. That we stand righteous before you, having not our own righteousness, but the righteousness that comes from Jesus. But our life is not our own. We are bought with a price. We've discussed that the last few weeks. We are bought with a price. We are your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. That you have a plan and purpose for each and every one of us. And you've called us to be faithful witnesses. You've called us to be light in the midst of the darkness. You've called us to be salt, bringing preservation, and flavor. You've called us to encourage one another, to lift one another up, to reach out, to go to the lost. Scripture talks about uh, some having saved by fear, as though uh, snatching them out of the fire. Father, use us to touch this generation. Use us to touch our communities. Use us to touch our families. Use us to touch our friends, our co-workers. Just anyone around us, Father. Lord, work through us for your pleasure, for your grace, and for your mercy. Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit glbcdt.org.